Oh, hey, sorry, guys. Sorry I'm late again. You know, I, I always tell Connor that we're supposed to be on the podcast at, like, 8 o'clock, like, sharp. You know, that's when we're supposed to start this podcast. I don't know why he doesn't show up on time. Well, are we talking about eschatology tonight? Yeah. Well, I figured I'd leave my, uh, you know, when I would arrive, mysterious, you know? No. Don't. Huh? No. Huh? You're not, huh? A, you're not a wizard, Connor. Can't arrive precisely when you mean to. That I'm, I'm, I'd be really surprised if that wasn't a meme somewhere. Probably. Like, I mean, definitely. Uh, yeah. The, and honestly, it'd probably be like pan millennials be like, uh, uh, Jesus is not early or late. He arrives precisely when he means to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Connor, I'm going to ask you once more. Talk at a very low volume because <laughs> wow, like oh, every, sorry. the microphone is just bursting everything. Like, oh wow, yeah, it's, no, it's I'm so really sorry. Sensitive for some reason. Um, I'm so sorry. That's right. Yeah, just talk very softly. We'll be able to hear you just fine. <laughs> this is the Christian artist honoring Christ's creativity. My name is Caleb. You can't mute You're yourself. Sorry, was that was that too quiet? Yeah, that was too quiet. Thanks, Connor. <laughs> my name is Connor. And my name is Carly. And Mickey says, <laughs> ow, my ears in chat. <laughs> Me too, Mickey. Yeah. Okay, so we're here once more with another episode of The Christian Artist. This is episode 158. We've done 158 episodes of this little Please. podcast. We're, I mean, it's not going to be too long until we're at 200 episodes. That'll, that's, it's going to come sooner than we think. Mm-hmm. And we'll have to do an awesome uh, trivia night again, um, yes. like, we, like we tend to uh, with big, big uh, reunions or anniversaries, rather. Um, but okay, we're going to talk about eschatology tonight. We're going to con- return to our little mini series that we did a while back. Um, that we never finish, the Christian and theologies, where we kind of were going through various parts of theology and breaking them down in general terms for a Christian, and like, okay, hey, how do we think about this uh, this topic uh, in general terms? Because you know we can't cover every base. Um, but then we're going to talk about eschatology. Carly, what is eschatology? Eschatology is quite literally the study of last things. Mm-hmm. In Greek, eschaton, which means the end or the final days, the last things. Any of those translations tends to work. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to talk about eschatology. Now, eschatology is uh, an interesting study in Christianity uh, because it's one of the most talked about, but also, for a lot of Christians, one of the most... Um, meaningless or what's what's a better word i'm what i'm trying to say they don't put much stock in it like they people christian christians talk about eschatology a lot but i feel like they think it's less important than it actually is even mm-hmm. for all of their you know uh and immense fascination with end times i don't think we usually put eschatology in yeah overlooked that's a good word mickey overlooked yeah the actual importance of eschatology is overlooked sometimes why is that connor 
um, because it's confusing. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and and it's because the uh, sorry, I'm being loud again. <clears throat> it's because the uh, I guess I'm just when I talk about theology, I just get really loud. I'm just moving them. <laughs> I was trying to look at like sound ses- settings and try to figure that out, but I guess not. yeah, it's I that, guess I'll just move the laptop farther away because it's um an app on there because it's like built on uh, okay. the, the Android stuff or Google stuff it, it, okay. you can't change any of the settings yeah oh that's stupid mm-hmm. anyway um <clears throat> i think it's obviously because you know it's very confusing and there's a lot of uh people who have latched on to different end times uh theories and stuff like that come up with certain stuff and have deceived a bunch of people and also i would say um a lot of people have tried to get money off of having end times theories and stuff like that. And so it's confused the general populace. Um, when well-meaning Christians come to the text, come to the book of Revelation and come to end times, try to figure stuff out, they come with already a, a preconception that is um, you know, not true because of mm-hmm. the general knowledge of end times prophecies and 666 and the beast and, you know, blood moons and all those types of things there's already so much confusion about it that when a well-meaning christian sits down to try to figure out the text they don't they don't take enough steps back to try to really figure out what um what true eschatology looks like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. very true so what does true eschatology look like so i mean spoiler alert all three of us are very post mill um yeah, uh, so we're coming at this, coming at this topic from from that perspective, and and that again, that's not to say that like we think we're all that and know everything about eschatology. Right. Just like we don't know anything everything about uh, any of the topics we've this. I mean, any of the topics at all that we discuss in this podcast. Um, but we're not completely ignorant, and we do have <laughs> particular thoughts and feelings based on scripture, um, and we try to base all of our observations and thoughts on scripture. Uh, and we'll be glad to engage with anyone who disagrees with us with scripture. Um, and I, I suppose, like, we should say we're not just kind of throwing our thoughts and feelings out there. Like, we actually believe these things are true, and we believe everything contrary to this is false. So even though we're not coming at it and saying, we know everything, and you have to listen to us, or you're not a Christian, we're not saying that at all. But we are saying this is true. And yeah, uh, we can have a discussion about the right. validity of that claim but we're not right. going to make we're not going to say like oh this might be true well this is my opinion yeah right yeah we we want to make we're, firm stances we are fully convinced yes in our own mind yeah just and heart and soul true yes yep <laughs> mm-hmm. um, um and, and just mm-hmm. just to kind of talk about the overlooked part of it as well yep. um to kind of add to that yep. um we don't live out our eschatology. And I think that's one of the most important things. And mm-hmm. one of, one of the, the best things about being post-millennial is I feel like I can live out my eschatology. And I feel like I do live out my eschatology. Um, whereas pre-millennials don't live out their eschatology um, in the sense, it, it, as far as they should, if it's certainly true. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. And now obviously, like eschatology is important and it does have negative effects. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about is uh, the, the obvious negative effects of every other ology of, of, I'm sorry, not ology, every other eschatology 
every other one of the millennials or millennials or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. There are negative effects to those things, but I would say it's overlooked because we don't think eschatology is as important as it is. Yeah. Um, and, and if we truly were to live like Jesus could come back at any moment, <laughs> you know, it, the Christian churches would still look different um, than they do today. Mm-hmm. So we don't actually believe the things that we say that we believe. Um, but, but as I said, like, there are still things where because there are churches that are premillennial or dispensational and stuff like that, they do live out their beliefs to a certain point and that's bad. <laughs> um, right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I'm trying to think of what to go to next um, with the topic of eschatology. Um, I mean, explaining the difference between, I think especially it's especially important to hit on premillennialism because I think that's the most popular and well-known position Mm -hmm. um, and widely held to. Sure. Yeah. Take it away, Carly. (laughs) Um, I mean, I, I definitely used to be Mm premill growing up in an assemblies of God kind of gospel church. It was very like, Oh, let's pay attention to what's going on in Israel. Um, (laughs) Very Zionist. (laughs) um, Yeah. Uh, but I don't quite know how to like, I mean, premillennialism believes that what's described in Revelation has not yet happened and they're futurists. Yep. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, and that it's going to happen, that there's going to be a rapture and a great tribulation and, um, that, that things are going to get worse and worse before they get better before, um, Christ comes back. One thing to note here is there is a difference between historic premillennialism and dispensational premillennialism. Mm-hmm. Um, the main difference being how how they view Israel um, and the covenants. Um, so dispensationalism is very wonky and weird and has very, I mean, that's dispensationalism is the one that's like always like talking about like, Ah, uh, it's the blood moons and like, uh, right. you know, the rapture is gonna come and then the antichrist and the mark of the beast and they're freaking out about all those th- sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also have a, a particular view um, about like the church in Israel, where they believe that Israel is God's plan for history and has been, you know, the actual ethnic nation of Israel is has is and always will be God's plan for for uh, His people, and so the church is Plan B. Basically, you know, Jesus came to uh, came to Israel, presented himself as the Messiah, and he was rejected. Because he was rejected, God, you know, judged um, Israel and then set up the church as basically like a, a placeholder um, until God could reinstitute the ancient Israelite nation. Um, because that's his plan all along. And so the sacrifices are going to come back. Um, you know, that, that is the perfect system, uh, and ethnic Mm -hmm. Israel is going to rule the world. You know, the center of the world is going to be Jerusalem. And that's why all of this is very important, right? When 1988, when, or 1948, when, um, uh, Israel became a nation, uh, that's when the dispensationalists started like freaking out because they're like, Oh, it's (laughs) happening guys. It's happening. Um, stay calm. You know, that (laughs) moment in the office with, (laughs) with Michael Scott. 
Um, I'm gonna make a meme about that. Um, whereas historic premillennialism doesn't have such a wonky view of Israel and the church, um, but they do believe that things will get worse and that Jesus comes before the millennium, uh, right? And he institutes not a to, literal thousand-year reign on Earth. So, go ahead. Not, not to totally interrupt what we're talking about right now, mm -hmm. but since you just mentioned, like, memes, yeah, why don't we just put our gift theology stuff on the Christian artist page? Oh, why don't we just start releasing it on there? We can do that. Yeah, let's just do that. Honestly, that's perfect. That's, that's a theology and art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's actually why haven't we done that already? That would, why that would we... help, like, actually promote that, facilitate that. Yeah, and it helped. So it helped promote. It helped promote our page too, and that people would actually listen to us. So that'd be cool. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's a great idea. Um, yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry. So that's goal number one in my life right now. Um, <laughs> goal number one: not getting married. Yeah. <laughs> Well, oh, sorry, Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> but that, but that's that's already a goal that's going to happen later. I can I can do this mm. sooner. Mm. Can do I can. Wow, <laughs> uh, Connor, you're digging yeah, yourself can... a hole there. All right, I, Mickey, I'm sorry. I love you. <laughs> Marrying you is my top priority in life right now. Excuse me, right now. Anyway, uh, mm -hmm, she said. <laughs> Chat, she's like. Mm -hmm. mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so um, so we just described premillennial and dispensational, or yeah, historic okay. premillennialism and dispensationalism. We also have amillennialism. Right. Connor, what's amillennialism? Amillennialism is the belief that uh, when Jesus is talking about the end times, or when anybody is talking about the end times, it's merely the time between Christ's first coming, where he died on the cross and rose again. And the, the time between his second coming. So basically, the amillennial believe that the the thousand year reign is not obviously a literal thousand year reign. And so Jesus is just going it like, um, or no, that's that's different. No, no that's, I'm sorry, no, that's correct. different. Than, you're correct. You're I am correct. correct. Yeah. Um, but that's right. not. They, they don't, don't think Jesus is reigning now, do they? They they think that this is the thing. Yeah, they think that Jesus is reigning now, but his reign is over the church. Well, okay. That's the only reign that he has in the world right now. Yeah. Okay. So his reign isn't over everything. Yeah. According to amillennialism. According to okay. amillennialism. Yeah. Okay. Um. So so that would be that belief, and then uh, so basically every time it's like the end times, these things will happen. They're like, just like so that's that's all the time. Yeah. That's that'll never stop kind of a yeah. thing. Um. And so they don't believe that the world will get better. Like we're always They're, in the last days. We're always in the last days. Um. And Jesus could and come so back at any time. It's like imminent. Jesus could come back any time. It's eminent, and there's no real like expected point in history or expected. Uh, there's no history to be expected. You could say there's no storyline to be expected. There's no progression. There's yeah. there's yeah. no progression. There's no ultimate goal. Um, you don't see Jesus working in the world besides that he is saving people in the church. You don't see him winning. I guess is is the the most obvious problem that we would see with um, millennialism. Where? I guess maybe we're not doing that yet. No, that's fine. Oh, sorry. Okay. We already oh, we already prefaced we already prefaced that we were coming at this from a post mill perspective. Yeah. So so so, so uh, yeah. So an millennial would would uh, would not be able to say Jesus is winning, in the sense that he's winning the not world consistently anyway. Not consistently, mm -hmm. right? Um. They, they would say, no, 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 he's winning his people, he's winning his children, he's winning the elect, um, 
and that's all his goal is. Um, where we would say John three sixteen for God so loved the cosmos that he gave his only begotten son. It doesn't mean every person on the planet. It means the cosmos. And if Jesus loves the world, Jesus loves the cosmos. He will save it. And he will redeem it. Which brings us to post-millennialism. <laughs> so post-millennialism. Well, I, actually, let's yeah. one more one okay, more thing to talk about because premillennialism, amillennialism, postmillennialism. Yeah. There's also panmillennialism. Uh-huh, yes. Uh huh. Which which would be li- quite literally, well, it'll all pan out in the end, right? Um, Eschatology so, doesn't matter. Is what exactly. Um, <laughs> yes. Which which was me for a certain point in time with mm-hmm. being presented with all of the postmillennial eschatology but no actually dad didn't dad didn't get to the postmillennial eschatology he just got to the preterism right yeah he was just like he these was, things he aren't was... going to happen in our future so he was preterist yeah so he when he was teaching us this exactly stuff. so he was preterist and so he he knew that like it was like you know things don't get worse but he didn't really like get the part about things getting better and what that meant <laughs> until we discovered postmillennialism and added that to the partial preterist stuff so what's uh for 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 reference this is another thing to talk about with eschatology uh you have uh, preterist and futurist uh preterist basically means uh, prophecy has already been fulfilled and futurist means prophecy is still going to be fulfilled um and so the uh, a partial preterist which is what we we would be uh, believes that most of the prophecies in the new and old testaments have been fulfilled um, as of including the book of revelation including the book of revelation or at least most of the book of revelation um now there are full preterists who are heretics who say <laughs> who say that every prophecy in scripture has been fulfilled even the one where jesus comes back so we're currently living in the eternal state uh we don't talk about those people they're kind of crazy um, <laughs> so so i guess we could say we're preterists but we're pre-wrath we're, we're partial preterists right well i understand that that's what that means but yeah. but at the same time i'm like Partial preterists, that means the, not the whole book of Revelation. But to just to clarify that, yeah. we're preterists, we're just pre-wrath. What do you mean by that? That's kind of – so So Jesus has not – the judgment day is, oh, yeah. has judgment, not come Yeah, yet. pre-judgment, yeah. Right, right. We're pre-judgment, yeah. that, That's pre-wrath. basically, yeah, according to, preter, to partial preteristic postmillennialism, um, the only thing really that hasn't, like, occurred in times-wise is the whole world hasn't been – redeemed in a romans 8 sense um you know the law hasn't gone to every nation sort of a thing um and jesus hasn't ended history in a great way through judgment those are the main two things that haven't happened yet Uh, there's also i guess some uh discussion about whether or not there'll be like a final battle some sort of like fall like a great apostasy right before jesus comes back but it would you know even the people who are postponial and and argue for that um, are like, yeah, it's probably, it's very temporary. Um, but, uh, yeah, those would be the only like three things really. Um, right. The idea of like where, where Satan is chain is bound for a th- for the proverbial thousand years. Um, and, uh, and then he's loosed in, in revelation. It says he's loosed for a very brief time and then Jesus destroys him. So mm-hmm. that's basically the only thing that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're kind of skipping around and jumping around here, but <laughs> that's true. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, where do we want to start with postmillennialism? Um, okay. Well, let's let's start with this. If, yeah. if if you want to if you want to look up and research postmillennialism yourself, 
he shall have dominion by Kenneth Gentry. Yeah, I mean this is book. this is honestly though if you want to jump into the deep end. Um yeah. <laughs> this is if you <laughs> it's want very long. This is if you want the thorough if you want to know all of the great, best and most thorough post-millennialist arguments, you read He Shall Have Dominion by Kenneth Gentry. Um if you he want also has a, if you want a, a, a primer, then you're gonna read Postmillennialism Made Easy by Kenneth Gentry. <laughs> which is much shorter. <laughs> Um, Kenneth Gentry also has a DVD series on the book of Revelation, he does, which is where he very takes a post-millennial, great. very thorough and great. He just goes through chapter by chapter the book of Revelation. Verse and, by verse. Yeah, verse by verse and just goes through like what it means. And he doesn't, he can't get through everything. So he technically doesn't go verse by verse, I mean, but he does go he almost verse, goes by verse. verse by verse. He almost goes <laughs> verse by verse. So he, he covers almost everything um, in it's in like what 24 hours and no it's 24 episodes 30 minute episodes right so that's 12 hours so in 12 hours he tries to go through the book of revelation and explain you know all the points and uh, a lot of information but it's very that's insane if if i ever needed to to um explain to somebody post-millennialism or try to convert them to post-millennialism that's what i'm going to do is i'm going to buy that series and be like here you go happy birthday i don't know if that would be the best but um (laughs) No, you don't think so? No. I feel like that was the best place to start for me. For you. But that's because <laughs> you are you, Connor. Yeah. Like, And, and that was also no, after you so. had already been, like, um, introduced to exp- expository, like, teaching and stuff, like, in, in study. Um, I think for, for someone who is, like, totally, you know, is, is reformed and right. is expository and understands like very well like expository preaching and, and study right that would be great for them because then they can go verse right. by verse and have it explained very thoroughly right yeah right that's what i mean but yeah. for a pre-mill pentecostal no don't no, give them not. that <laughs> please don't for a pre-mill for a pre-mill pentecostal we're going to start with okay what is the gospel can you explain to me what the gospel is and we'll start <laughs> there and if, and, if they, start. and if they pass that test then we'll then we'll go into other things <laughs> Eschatology will probably be the end thing that we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Uh, no, that's pretty good. No, that's pretty good. No. Anyway, so just just to give a bit a bit of a, a, a overview of postmillennialism before we kind of dig into nitty gritties here. Um, postmillennialism, based on the name, right? Jesus returns after the millennium. So mm-hmm. basically, if you're for at least the brand of postmillennialism that we're talking about, partial preteristic, um, the- theonomic, reformed postmillennialism. Um, yeah, we are very theonomic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, Jesus came to Earth, right, to uh, to live a perfect life, die a perfect death, and to institute a kingdom, right, to to establish his his kingdom. Um, it's very clear that he established his kingdom during his ministry um, based on verses or passages like when he's talking to the Pharisees and um, and uh, he says or he's talking about um, casting out demons um, and he and Jesus basically says if if you know by the name of God I cast out these demons then the kingdom of God is upon you that's a total paraphrase of probably messing that up somehow um, but he mentions you know if I'm doing this, and a casting out demons, then the kingdom of God is upon you. The kingdom of heaven is upon you. Was he casting out demons? Yes. So yes. that means the kingdom <laughs> of God was upon them. Um, upon means it um, was there, right? What's the verse? I, oh, I thought you were looking it up. 
Oh no, I didn't. I didn't look up the verse. No, I was looking up a different verse to go from there. Okay, go ahead. Uh, in Matthew four, after Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, mm. um, he begins his ministry, and uh, he. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's Matthew 4, 17. I love to, I love to refer to that verse when I'm talking about evangelism, um, because the first thing that Jesus ever started preaching to the general populace, he's just sort of walking around telling people to repent. And it's like, if I did that under the authority of like any church I know of, except for like five, they would be like, that's not the way to do it. <laughs> and it's like, did you just critique Jesus? Like you critique Jesus' method of evangelism because this is exactly what he started doing. You know, I don't know. That's just it's a side <laughs> thing. It's frustrating to me though um, that we don't like it when people tell people mm-hmm. to repent because we're like, that's so mean. Huh, you call Jesus a jerk. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Matthew four seventeen though. But from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mm-hmm. Now, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, what does the word at hand mean i guess just say two words two words (laughs) what what does it mean when something is at hand it means there actual definition nearby (laughs) nearby nearby wow about readily accessible in time about to happen (laughs) okay all right so uh was jesus lying or was the kingdom of heaven actually at hand well jesus never sinned so he definitely wasn't lying oh <laughs> okay so 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 already we're starting we're starting Liar, an argument right we're, or lord there you go there you go so we're already starting uh okay let's like question your beliefs on these things um like why, why are we Jesus ignoring the truth very here. clear passages um yeah based on our personal eschatological mm-hmm. eschatological right. views what 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 does jesus mean if he doesn't mean what he means yeah i guess yeah, is the question yeah and and like for the longest time you know you read that and you're like i don't know what that means so i'll just ignore it um but but if you think about it what does that mean if the kingdom of heaven is at hand yeah. that's super important very important yes um right and so the kingdom of heaven is at hand the kingdom of god was instituted um and we know this even more clearly because of the great commission right what did jesus say right. all authority has has mm-hmm has past past tense been given to me now because of this fact go out and make disciples not of people in every nation but of all nations he's there's an aspect of discipling the nations themselves that's happening here and we can very clearly see this you know uh backed up by old testament passages um Lots of Isaiah, lots of the Psalms. Isaiah of, chapter two, Psalm one ten, mm-hmm. Psalm two, Psalm especially two. Psalm two. Psalm two, right? Psalm two is very clearly says the nations are responsible to fall before Christ, right? Fall before the King, the Messiah. Um, um, I think I think Psalm one ten is definitely the place to go though, um, because Psalm one ten one more than anything because it's just it is quoted so many times in the New Testament. Uh, uh, Jeff Durbin likes to say that it is uh, it is uh, um, God's favorite Bible verse because it's quoted so many times in the New Testament. Yeah, or not God's favorite. Uh, the, Jesus's or the apostles. The apostles. The yeah. apostles' favorite Bible verse. Anyway, um, it says Psalm one ten one. It says the Lord says to my Lord. Okay, so the Lord says to my Lord. That's God speaking to God, right? So the Father speaking to Jesus. 
sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Um, and we see that quoted all the time in the New Testament, specifically in 1 Corinthians 15, which Paul expounds upon that very clearly to say that the last enemy to be destroyed is death and Christ is reigning currently until death is defeated. And so if we're talking about the millennium of is Christ reigning now, is the kingdom of God here now, we see all over in scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, that that is true and currently happening, that Jesus is currently on the throne. Uh, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given past tense to him. So Jesus is king over everything. And if you would want to listen to a sermon on that exact idea, uh, listen to Jeff Durbin on how to become someone who preaches the gospel. Um, and that's very much so eschatologically centered on Matthew 20, 18, 18 through 20, right? Matthew 20, 28, 28 Matthew 18 28, 20, 18 yeah. through 20. I don't know why I said 2018. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's so two years eight. ago, man. <laughs> yeah. 20, 28, 18 through 20. All authority in heaven and earth has been past tense given to me. So Jesus Christ is reigning right now and therefore go and make disciples of people in every nations. No disciple the nations. Yeah. And if that's the goal, then is Jesus going to fail? Is Jesus telling his people to go and do something and then fail? Or is this victorious reign of Christ going to succeed? Is he not going to disciple all the nations? And we as Pulse Millennials will say, yes, he will disciple all the nations. That is his goal. That is his, that is his plan. Mm -hmm. That has been the plan from the beginning, ever since he promised Abraham that, uh, his, uh, that uh, his descendants, obviously not Abraham's physical descendants, but his spiritual descendants, right, uh, will be more numerous than the sand on the seashore, more numerous than the stars, um, and I don't think that we're supposed to go and count those two things. I think that we're supposed to realize it is such a crazy amount that it cannot be counted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be the population of God's people. And that means the nations will be discipled. That means the world will be discipled. The world will be redeemed and saved. Mm -hmm. And I would say, I would say if you want to really understand uh, or have a good argument for post-millennial viewpoint. Think about these things in your head. Come with come with the preconception of, okay, what if what these three young people on this random internet thing are saying is true? Go read Romans 8 and go read 1 Corinthians 15, and you tell me that that's not what Paul's talking about. Yeah. You you go if, through if the If not, the what passage. in the world is he talking about? Yes. <laughs> Romans 8 and 1 Corinthians 15 are great places to go and read on your own and just read the whole thing of, okay, if, if, if Jesus Christ is truly reigning now, what does he mean by he must reign until every enemy is put under his feet? So death is going to be defeated? Yeah. yeah. Death hasn't been defeated yet. Jesus conquered death, but, but that's has, still an has, enemy. Has death been conquered for all of us finally and completely? No, no not yet. No. Because we're so, going to die. <laughs> uh, exactly. So... So, yeah, so I've, that's obviously the goal. Um, one fun other place that I love to go to, um, one time actually, uh, Will Kesselring um, put me in a like a, a text group chat with uh, him, Pastor Aaron, 
and a couple of other people that he knew or something like that and was like all right there's a cage match between premillennialism and postmillennialism see uh see who wins but it like didn't work and i like responded to it but like nobody else got it or anything so i don't know like what happened but it didn't work he was like talking with people about it because we were going through the eschatology and youth group and uh i all i wrote was uh revelation one and colossians one i win and like a winky face and uh <laughs> so so obviously we can go to revelation one and talk about like the preterism point of view and like totally debunk every other form of eschatology by just like reading revelation one two um but colossians one i think is also a great place to go to um when it when it's talking about jesus and describing jesus um it says for by him all things were created both in the heavens and on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Okay. So that's, that's a pretty post-millennial belief right there. Everything was created for Christ. Um, and he's above all those things. Um, kind of sounds like Psalm 110.1, but then verse 17 says he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. He's also the head of the body, the church, and he's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things mm -hmm. to himself, having made peace to the blood of what? His cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. So verse 20, right? And through Jesus to reconcile all things. How many things? All things. All things, right? So and the same thing with like Matthew 28, it's like, how many things is Jesus have authority over? All, All things. things. And, and, and he, what's and interesting, says, real, real quick, a, a textual note about that, because um, I, I did a whole series of uh, teaching uh, sermons on this, which I'm going to try to get up on YouTube soon, um, based on He Shall Love Dominion uh, to, to the youth group. Um, uh what was i gonna say um all things the i have a, uh, all authority has been given to me um all authority doesn't just mean over all things it means in every area in every category right so it's not just generally like you know jesus is king for over spiritual matters everywhere that's not what it means right it means jesus is king over every category every possible sphere of life in every possible way, like it's an all-encompassing word that literally does mean everything. Your government, Jesus has all authority over that government. You know, your your economics, Jesus has all authority over those economics. Your personal life, Jesus has all authority over that those things. Every single possible thing you could think of categorically or, or individually. Yeah. Um, Which is another reason why this podcast is called the Christian artist. Yes, because exactly. Christ has dominion over the art that we make. Yes. Right. And which, which is hilarious because we weren't post-millennial when we started this podcast. But, but we, we understood that much. We understood that. We did. What, what's so we, we interesting understood. about this podcast, just think, just talking about that, like I'm glad you brought that up, Carly, is that we had that, you know, viewpoint of like, okay, we want to honor Christ through creativity. Like we want to make sure that our, our entire like way that we do art is based on, on, you know, honoring, honoring God. Mm -hmm. But in so much of that, our initial concept was like the seed. Post-millennial. Well, yeah, it was yeah. the seed for so many other things that we ended up believing that we didn't understand. Yeah. Like we understood that like art was important 
and that mm-hmm. we needed to honor God with it and that it could change the world. But right. we didn't know what that meant yet. And exactly. and now we can look back and be Which like, Which is why oh, consistent wow. eschatology is important. Yes. Because right. otherwise you won't be you'll you'll be inconsistent and you'll and you'll be like what? You'll know things for sure, but you won't know what to do with those things yes, or why you should do those things. True. As, as uh, Dr. James White says, you'd be blessedly inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Um, you know that art has to glorify God in everything. But unfortunately, um, your presuppositions you know don't lead you to that point. Right. Art should glorify God, that we have that preconception. We know that art exists to glorify God. And yet, is Jesus king over it? Or is that a pagan thing? Is art a pagan thing? Is Facebook a pagan thing? Is are, are any of these pagan things just supposed to remain pagan, or are we supposed to redeem those things to the glory of God? Um, this is this is when you start having ideas of like science. Is science a good thing? Well, I don't know. Is it? Is it a good thing? Uh, can it be a good thing if the world is going to crash and burn, and God is just going to destroy the world? And I mean, my, is my scientific advancement going to benefit anybody is it going to glorify god if at the end of the day all that's going to happen is god's just going to burn it all so why make a scientific advancement and and like when i was younger i um like much younger like maybe even before i was a christian younger no maybe i was a christian at that point i was like what's the point of science like there there are people dying all the time and they're not saved and they're going to hell what's the point of science why should Mm -hmm. any christian be involved with science right now because we need to preach the gospel because people are dying and going to hell. What's the point of any of this Um, medical advancement? I I was like, I could never go into the medical field because I was like, I couldn't feel like you're wasting the time. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would try to save people's physical lives and think what's the point because they're just going to die later and go to hell. So what's the point of doing anything except for preaching the gospel on a street corner. But the problem is, and why we're talking about earlier when we were saying nobody's consistent with their worldview if we were actually premillennial, the only thing we should ever be doing, we shouldn't even sleep. Yeah, <laughs> We should just be standing on the street corners, declaring the gospel and saying, if you don't, don't turn from your sin, you're going to die. And at any point, God could set the world on fire and everything could be destroyed and gone. Your work doesn't matter. My work doesn't matter. Any advancements that we make, yeah. nothing matters except for are you saved or are you not saved? But that's not how Jesus acted. Yep. That's not how Jesus taught. Yep. Um, you go back to Matthew 28. It says to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded them. There are laws about animal husbandry. There are laws about how to treat um, your neighbor. There are laws about all of those types of things. Um, there, there are so many laws that have so much to do with every aspect of life. Yeah. So what is the point of what is the point of any of those things if God's goal is not for us to obey him in every aspect of life and for him not to just have the end goal be to destroy all of those areas of life. Um, and I guess, I guess, you know, a lot of people who don't have a post viewpoint will also come around and say, well, no, like heaven is not going to be just like us singing to God forever. We'll probably have all these different things. We'll probably eat in heaven. We'll probably cook in heaven. Maybe we'll have sports in heaven, all those types of things. And they, so they get that aspect of it because they have to be consistent with some part of their worldview for eschatology because they're like, otherwise, what's the point? Right. What's the point of any of these things? I should say that enjoying a movie at some point 
or, um, you know, uh, you know, cooking food, becoming a good cook, like, like Stacy, the, the, you know, the woman I work with who at Luke's Deli, she loves cooking food for people. It's like the thing that she loves to do the most. That's how she shows love. And she has so much meaning and purpose to working at the deli because she's like, I love making people happy when they eat good food. Like that's how I benefit the world and society. Yeah. And it's like, that's a godly desire. Mm-hmm. Why is that a bad desire? It is if the world's just going to burn. Yeah, it isn't if God is intending to use every aspect of life to be ruler over it, to redeem it and to do something good with it. Yeah. Um, Bear Guns in chat says, wait, are you suggesting that a crappy eschatology is in many ways necessarily nihilistic? Yes. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, continuing. I, yeah, go ahead. What's the point of what's the point of this Twitch stream? Right. What's the exactly. point of mm-hmm. what's the point of us us uh, enjoying video games? That's wrong. That should be sinful. Mm-hmm. What's the point of us talking about this? You know what I mean? Like what's what's the point of eschatology? What's <laughs> the point well, of discussing eschatology? To, to know if the when, world's just gonna burn. So we know exactly how much time we have left. So <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's right. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'm just. There's so many other things that I could be like. What's the point? Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, but so continuing on from there, right? Like, um, for for looking at all right, Jesus is King. He's redeeming everything. We're a part of that redemption. We're a part of that all-encompassing reconciliation. Um, right. Colossians one twenty, and through yeah. him to reconcile all things to himself, having past tense made peace through the blood of his cross. So that happened at the cross. He made peace, and yep. now he is currently reconciling all things to himself yep whether things in heaven or on earth yeah and, and this brings us um to the, to the next point that i want to get to which is um a, having a christian philosophy of history having a, a christian um view of what the point of all of this is having having a good christian teleology and philosophy of history those are the the two main important things this is what i i prefaced my series on eschatology with the kids um was guys this matters <laughs> Because the the history, like the flo- your philosophy of history, and your view of teleology, which is the per- the, the uh, study of purposes of like, what matters, like what 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 is the purpose of various things, um, like your teleology of history, those things matter because they will make or break your practical everyday Christianity. They will make or break it. Um, if you have the view that you you know that uh, everything is going to get worse that ultimately there's nothing we can do to make things better in this world physically um and that the only thing that really does matter is yeah just you know saving souls and jesus only reigning in the church and we can't really have anything to say to to non-christians except for just believe jesus i guess um then you are going to be ineffective you you may be blessedly inconsistent and end up doing a lot of the things that post-millennial theonomic all-encompassing jesus honoring view of life and history gives you um you may be blessedly inconsistent and end up doing those things anyway but you'll do it despite your eschatology and not because of it and when you do it because of your eschatology it's always more effective it's always more god-centered it's always more all-encompassing all-engrossing and it leads you to more effective methods more effective attitudes because attitudes yeah, is the, right? that's the thing I exactly. would really like to focus on. Right, exactly. So so if we're thinking about the difference between uh, post millennialism 
and you know what we've just kind of explained and these other eschatological view, ways of viewing things the main difference between them is one is optimistic and the others right. are pessimistic ultimately right. when you when you right. get down to the nitty-gritty of what the backbone of those the, like theologies give you one gives you pessimism pessimism one gives you optimism you may have right. optimism in the sense that oh well at least i have my fire insurance at least i'm gonna right. you know be saved from this horrible horrible world that we live in um right. but you're not optimistic about the world itself <laughs> yeah and so right mm-hmm. and, and so it will lead you to be ineffective the the reason i'm just gonna say this the reason America Uh-oh. is the way it is right now is because of bad eschatology. Among other things. Among yes. other things, but... Yeah, it's like, one of the big reasons. It's one of the big reasons. It is, right? it is. Um, because America was founded by a bunch of post-millennial Puritans. And, right. and that's why it had a lot of the, the great laws that it started off having, a lot of the, the great... Enemy. Yeah, right, because the theonomy, <laughs> right? Um, that's why it had a great view of education, a great view of um, the family, right? A great view of church and, and an all-encompassing worldview that included, um, you know, uh, these uh, incredibly powerful universities that um, that uh, taught, like, pastors and taught, like, a bunch of other topics. And, and there's this all-engrossing, like, um, theology of these various spheres of life would give us, right? So Puritan, the, the Puritanic... You know, um, model gave us for you know Americans gave us uh, a proper Christian view of science, right? A proper Christian view of um, work, of work ethics. Um, all of those things came from this post-millennial theonomic perspective, and it's only because we kept we've kept straying away from that initial foundation. Things have continued to go worse and worse for America specifically. And and so just as a slight tangent to that, I think this also has to do a lot with um, a lot of times when, when, when I say, you know, I'm a post-millennialist, I'm optimistic about the future and about the world history and all this stuff, like Jesus wins sort of a thing, right? Things get better. People like laugh at me because they're like, well, have you, do you live in America? Like, have you have seen you read the news? Yeah. Have you read yeah. the news? <laughs> right. But that's because right. we live in America, right? Right. We we constantly are, are <laughs> not only living in a country that is awful because of the lack of post-millennial, like, all, all-encompassing Christianity that gives you the the type, of, the effective evangelism and all-encompassing um, life practical Christianity, right? Like, uh, the views of the family and so on and so forth, right? Um, but we also because of the advances that post-millennial Christianity has given us in terms of technology, right? The blessing of Christianity giving us like capitalism and giving us um, so many Christians who want to Caleb, continue. you didn't. I did, I did. So many Christians, right, who, who... Capitalism is a good thing. It is. So many Christians who were on the forefront of science and technology, right? Like um, Marcus Pittman has a talk that he gave where he was like, this is how Christianity gave us the iPhone. Um, and he literally went through like every, like all these Christians who just like did awesome technological stuff because they had a proper view of what the spheres meant, right? What these, 
of spheres of life meant to how, how you honor God because God cares about all of these things. Um, and that's what basically gave us the mm -hmm. iPhone. And so what, and I've this, I've that tangent has gone really long, but what I mean to say is one, the reason why post-millennialism seems silly to us is because we live in a very bad country that uh, doesn't follow the precepts that would lead to, per, you know, progression and, and good uh, uh, Christian dominion. Um, and also we, because of the great technology we have, we're inundated all the time with every single bad thing that ever happens anywhere. Um, and so it's, we just, it's not that things are getting, are worse in the world. It's that we happen to live in a current context that is bad in America. And also we happen to be living a time where we can see and hear every bad thing that ever happens anywhere. It was just as bad before, yeah. and, if and, not and less. And we have a media... Right, like and we have a media yeah. and a world yes. and a culture that loves to talk about everything bad and exactly. they never want to talk about anything good. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and so, one of the things that I, I say to to people who who say like you know post millennium is ridiculous, things aren't better, is just see like okay, let's think about a first century Christian living in the Roman Empire, being persecuted by Nero. Um, let's think about yeah. the standard of living during that time. Let's think about technology. Let's think about, uh, the, you know, uh, uh life expe expectation, life expectancy. Let's think about, um, the amount of people who died in childbirth. Let's think about the amount of people in the world who were Christians. Let's think about a million and one other things that are objectively better now than they were in first century Christianity, right? A first century Christian who came to today and, and got a all-encompassing view of like everything that's happening in the world with Christianity, with technology, with capitalism, with everything would be like, wow, the world is a lot better. They like legitimately would because people don't constantly die because of like diseases like the Black Plague, right? People don't, yeah. don't live only until their 30s. People, people literally live until their 70s, 80s, 90s, 100s, when for most of human history, if you got to 70, you were so ancient, it was ridiculous, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so we just have to have these things in perspective, right? And if, yeah. I think one of the coolest, most obvious things about the fact that everything is so much better than it used to be is that it allows Christians more opportunity to preach the gospel and more opportunity to advance the kingdom. Because, you know, if you only live for 30 years, that's a lot less time to preach the gospel than if you have a 70-year lifespan. Right. Very true. Yeah. It gives you a lot less time to have more kids and to, you know, subdue the earth. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the technology that we have when we're, when we're able to... Um, even just we're able to communicate with people on other sides of the country and other sides of the world. It's like, yeah, that's a heck of a lot better than it used to be because we used to have to actually physically go to other countries just to get them any word of the gospel. Whereas now we have the internet and we have so many different means of doing that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, right. I mean, just think about the internet. Uh, how many more people uh in, at a much faster pace are being preached the gospel because of the internet the the actual 
the um the ratio the the actual like um uh uh i'm trying to think of the, the right word here but the the increase percentage percentage wise and, and ratio wise of the people who regularly every day heard the gospel in a day with the internet or a day where the internet didn't exist right it exponentially exponentially that's the word i was looking for <laughs> exponentially different just it's just by pure numbers um and and so you know we can have all sorts of agreements disagreements on the you know like uh, uh we can have a long discussion about the world wars and whether or not like that's a you know sign of uh, eschatological whatever right um you know that was that was a bad thing that happened um but we can't deny when you just look at the arc of history if you're really actually paying attention, if you're really actually being honest, things are better today than they were in first century uh, first century uh, Roman Empire. They just are. They were, and and like there's there's never been a time in human history so filled with Christians, with constant gospel preaching, with uh, technology and science that saves lives and with more and more tools to honor God more and more. That does not mean that sin doesn't exist. That does not mean that people don't abuse those tools to do absolutely horrid evil things, right? The internet exists and we use it to preach the gospel. It's also used to spread pornography, absolutely horribly evil, right? But that doesn't mean that we can't look at the large span of things and say, wow, look at all the great, awesome stuff that God is doing in the world as a result of this technology, as a result of the spread of Christianity across the entire globe. Think about like, okay, okay. if you need any more convincing of this, just go look at any missions organization numbers for like the amount right. of people, like people groups that still haven't heard the gospel yet. Dwindling and dwindling and dwindling. And it within the next I, I like hundred years, easily we could we could preach the gospel to literally every every people group that has ever existed right or or at least exists now that um uh hasn't you know, gone extinct or whatever um we're, we're within that goal um and so please you know just don't tell me that things aren't better it's just not true <laughs> Um, you 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 have a very narrow minded view, I think. If if your 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 own your argument against postmillennialism is look at how bad things are, um, because it's just it's one it's not true, and two, uh, since when did we get our theology from our experiences? Right, you right. <laughs> Amen. I saw um uh, a video that Paul Washer made recently about uh, him just just writing a letter to the persecuted church in China. Yeah. Um, not a writing letter, just like doing a little video and it's like subtitled translated into Chinese. Um, and it's for all the persecuted Christians. And he was able to encourage the country of China, <laughs> the Christians in the country of China, anybody who can get their hands on that video, um, and encourage them and minister to them. And it could have taken him and maybe an hour to do so um that's insane yeah. and if if that's not a better world i don't know what is <laughs> yeah right <laughs> like seriously come on you just gotta be honest i guess about i guess i guess we could come back to according to what standard 
Yeah. Yeah. According to what standard exactly. is yeah. is this not a better world than it yeah. was in the first century? Exactly. According to God's standard, is it? It is. Right. What's What's the standard that God's law and God's rule has gone out to more places than it was before? There you go. That's right. the ultimate like purpose of uh, that's the ultimate um categorical meaning of this right right um, um yeah now i guess i guess a myth that you could uh um refute about post-millennialism is that it's a steady climb yeah um we don't think that yesterday is always worse than today we don't think that tomorrow will always be better than today but we think that from the overall progression of history, it is getting better. Yes. There are definitely dives and dips. Um, there are definitely horrible things that have happened like World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, but from World War II, we have not gotten worse. We've gotten better. Yeah. And we've always consistently got better. And what dad always likes to say is when people say the world is not getting better, look at World War II. He'll always say, who won? Yeah. <laughs> he said if hitler won i'm with you <laughs> right if hitler won and he yeah. and it's uh you know every everybody is under hitler's rule you know uh or i guess they would be dead by now no matter what but you know underneath yeah, Germans if, if, rule we're, of, if we're living in the world of the man in the high castle by you know right. the, novel, the novel by philip k dick where it's the alternate history right. where hitler won yes of course that's right. probably not a, a universe in which post-millennialism is true <laughs> but right that's not the universe we live in <laughs> Okay, I gotta read what Bear Gun said. Uh, excuse me, but there were zero female-directed films nominated for Best Picture, and according to the internet, that means we are living in the worst possible timeline. According to the internet, ah. exactly. that's not the right standard. Ah, ah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, and so when we're looking at this, I like to go back to this idea of the Christian philosophy of history. Right. Um, one of the most mind-blowing and earth-shattering things that I learned when I was. Li- uh, actually starting to read He Shall Have Dominion for the first time because I had been introduced to post-millennialism by Apologia Radio and, and the folks there. Um, and I was like, I really need to like actually study this like in depth and, and figure out if I believe this or not because I like it, but I don't want to just like something, you know, believe something because it sounds nice, right? Um, mm-hmm. I want to know that it's biblical. And so I started reading He Shall Have Dominion and in the very beginning of the book, that's what he starts off with. He talks about a Christian philosophy of history, right? Like what that means, why it's different from a secular philosophy of history. And the the thing that he he specified was um, a, a pagan philosophy of history. Um, the, the pagans throughout all of time, they've had the view of history that says um, history is cyclical, right? Um, there's nothing new under the sun. That, that was a pagan a, a pagan uh, despairing that Solomon was giving in, in Ecclesiastes. That's not a uh, a biblical like in some senses that's true, but as a is it all encompassing uh, philosophy of history? It's just not true. Um, we as Christians, the Judeo Christian uh, philosophy that was given to humanity, it's the first time that it had ever been that it had ever existed. Um, before this, it was all cyclical. People are just like, it all just happens over and over again and nothing actually progresses. Judeo-Christianity, that philosophy, gave the world teleology, a, teleo- a teleological history, right? It gave purpose. It gave direction. It gave progression to a philosophy of history. And that is the fundamental when we really get down to it, that is the fundamental underpinnings of any Christian theology is the idea that there is purpose to history, there is direction to history, and there is um, 
uh, a linear beginning and end to history. Mm-hmm. If we don't have that, we don't have Christianity. And 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 by de facto, like uh, this is why I, I'm so frustrated with all millennialism. That's why, what because all millennialism strays so very close to this cyclical line, right? Of of <laughs> cyclical line, um, <laughs> right? This this never-ending cycle, right? The, basically, their eschatology is nothing changes. Right. The church and the world continue to battle it out dualistically. They never really mm. have. It's 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 dualistic, right? It's they're both equally powerful, and the only thing that ever changes that is at the end of history. I guess yeah, Jesus comes back and wins, but is there any progression? Is there ultimately any meaning? That yes, but the main point of it, right, is there is no meaning to most of the everyday battles and struggles in history. History really doesn't matter. It could all have just happened in one year. And it would have had about the same meaning as if it had happened over thousands of years, right? But that's not what the Bible gives us at all in any way, shape, or form. History is and, – and, and what's so frustrating about amillennialism too, right, is we have this incredible history of – that Scripture gives us, right, of the people of God and their progression through history and the way that covenants have interacted with each other. And amillennialists and premillennialists and postmillennialists alike will all look at that and be like, wow, what, what a massive, awesome story God is telling. But apparently when we get to the part where the Scripture doesn't directly give us that history, I guess, you know – there's no progression. There's no meaning. There's no ultimate kind of thing that's happening. It's just kind of a never-ending struggle that doesn't lead anywhere. What you know? What part of Scripture gave us that expectation for the rest of history? I, I would assume that the rest of history would go about the same as the beginning. You know, the the uh, the, the Scripture's depiction of history gives us. Right? Mm-hmm. Look, look, look through Chronicles. Look through ex- the Exodus account. Look through the Genesis accounts. Look through any of those and you'll see what? Direction, purpose, progression. Mm-hmm. Progression. There is God doesn't make things stay the same. He has things progress. He has a plan. He has a story. He has a purpose. And it's playing out progressively. It is. And we look in scripture, we can see that. And that's why postmillennialism is so important. That's why a, a proper understanding of the philosophy of history that we should have as Christians is so important. Because otherwise, we are going to be useless to build a legacy. <laughs> right? We'll look at our future and say, it doesn't really matter. Why should I care about my future family? Why should I really care about you know my children? Ultimately, right? doesn't really matter. Why, should, why even have children? Why even have children? If you're premillennial. Right. Exactly. Why have children? Or or a millennial. What's the point? The point is, I guess, because to because continue because what if know. what what if you spend all so you have to sacrifice time away from evangelism in order to raise children, right? I mean, I'd assume so. I'd assume if you're being a good parent, you have to take time away from the world in order to disciple your children. And I mean, I guess that's you could that's obviously also evangelism, right? Because you're training up your children in the way that they should go. It's obviously a very different type of evangelism. Is they're your children and they're your responsibility and like, like more directly like you're the authority kind of a thing. Um, but uh, what what would be the point of of having children if I have um, like three children? Let's say I go crazy and I have six children, and uh, my fir- my firstborn child is the at the age of six, 
my last child's just born or whatever, right? And then the rapture comes and my children are caught up. Um, but what was the point of me spending all those time, all that time on those children if I could have just been going out and preaching the gospel to people? Yeah. You know, it, it takes away purpose from so many things. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's and, why you and, see so many post-millennials having huge families and yeah. discipling their children because right. that's, as I'm, as I'm reading, uh, right now I'm reading Popes and Feminists by Elise Krapyshitz. Um, it's a very <laughs> that sounds um, <laughs> that That is the greatest <laughs> book title and author name yeah. I've ever heard in my um, entire life. <laughs> um, <laughs> But anyway, so um, I, I started reading that recently and just talking about the fact that um, like motherhood, um, she, she's talking about women's vocation as viewed in the Roman Catholic Church compared to how it's viewed in feminism, which is strikingly similar. Um, <laughs> and so she's talking about how valuable motherhood is in the fact that it's a gift from God to be able to raise children in order to continue to advance his kingdom. Um, yep. And, and specifically, um, uh, Rebecca Merkel has, has talked about it like this, that, you know, as parents, you are bringing souls into this world to disciple them and to preach the gospel to them. It's not just you're giving birth to a human being. You know, it's not just biology. You are bringing a soul into this world and God's allowing you to do that. And it's your responsibility to train them. Um, and so post-millennials often take pride in having big families because that's a way that we advance the kingdom. That's a way to, mm -hmm. you know, preach the gospel to your children so that they can find self so that they can come to salvation and that they can continue to preach the gospel because mm -hmm. we don't believe that there's just some random moment where everything could end. Right. And so we yeah. actually have a reason to do that. Right. And, and just to kind of go off what Quantum Isaac is saying, he said, well, I'd say that the pre-mills would argue that having children as a normative command is part of obedience to Christ for married people. And obviously your respondent is that, you know, post-mill gives us the reason why. Mm -hmm. um, and, and like, I was going to go to that already of like, you know, I have non-post-millennial friends who will say, you know, like, I'll, I'll say, why preach the gospel if we're not going to win? Like, the, like, the great commission what's the point of the great commission if we're not going to win if we're not post-millennials and we don't believe that we're going to succeed like we don't have the oomph we don't have the the motivation to go and preach the gospel if we don't believe we're going to win that makes life such a dredge such such a dragging my feet yep. what is the point of evangelism even if we're calvinists it's like well God maybe save maybe we'll save them maybe they're damned for all of eternity and I don't know and but it's not really, really going to have any impact on this world exactly yeah exactly you know being a being a Calvinist is brings me such joy for being an evangelist right um, and when I say evangelist I mean I don't mean that that's my personal gift and calling right all Christians are called to evangelize okay I have to say that every time I accidentally <laughs> use the word evangelist. Um, when, when, like, like when I evangelize, I have such joy and comfort and like such a great weight off my shoulders, knowing I'm a Calvinist, right? God's in charge of salvation. God is sovereign over salvation. Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, we're just commanded to preach it. We're just commanded to preach it. 
right? Um, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to obey. Um, but coming at it from a post-millennial point of view, it doesn't matter um, if I think that we've lost because I know we're going to win. It doesn't matter how many people I preach the gospel to and see that they're not, you know, going to be saved or whatever, because I know we'll win eventually. It makes, it makes so much more purpose of being like, I will die and be able to look at history after I've gone and be able to see that my life actually progressed the gospel, progressed the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And to feel like, even though I, I, you know, preach the gospel to all these people and, and I'm a Calvinist. So obviously God is sovereign and he will save who we will save. And it's up to him. At the end of the day, I know he's not just twiddling his thumbs being like, I guess I'll save that person. He's like, no, I'm saving you because we're going to win. We're going to change the world. We're going to redeem the world. So I choose, I choose you and you're going to be a part of my story. I choose you. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I almost made a joke about it, but I was like, no, this is serious. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, Carly. Can't get past me. (laughs) No, it's totally fine. I'm glad you said that. Um, it was gonna hurt me. I haven't if I even didn't. seen Pokemon, so right, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's why it was best that you did it. it made it the most funny, I think. Um, but yeah, so so going off what you said there, right? Like, um, you know, people are blessedly inconsistent, and and obviously they'll you'll be right when they say the reason I evangelize is because God commands it obviously okay that's great right like of course we do this and and we end up doing stuff that we don't want to do because god commands it right Mm -hmm. that's totally fine but we have to we have to believe god when he says all authority has been given to me we have to believe god when he says um that the kingdom of the kingdom heaven, is, is, at heaven is at hand. We have to believe God when he says in the Psalms um, that uh, his law will go to all the nations. His law will go right. from sea to sea. We have to take God at his word when he says those things. And I and I believe I, in a God. Okay, I believe in a God who commands and then gives the joy and the deeper reason why we should obey the command. Right. He doesn't give us commands that are that don't have foundational purposes, right? Why do we not steal from people? Is it just because God commands it? No, it's because if you don't steal from people, bing, bang, boom, like A, B, C, D, like there's so many like physical, practical reasons and deeper spiritual reasons why not stealing from people gives you joy, gives glory to God, loves your neighbor. It's the exact same thing. thing. Yeah, it's the exact same thing with what we're commanded to do is discipling all the nations. And the command, right? The command to do so and the deeper meaning behind it, right? We believe in a God who tells you to go uh, disciple all of the nations, gives you the actual ability to do so, and then gives you the understanding that gives you joy knowing you are actually accomplishing something. We don't believe in a God who gives you a command that you will despair at doing for the rest of your life, right? We don't. And and that's ultimately, the, when we take this to our logical conclusion, these pessimistic eschatologies, that's where you land, right? That it's a command that can never be fulfilled. And it, why would God give such a command? I guess because he's capricious and random and doesn't have a point to history. 
right? That's not the God we serve. We serve a storyteller. We ser serve a, a God who has a perfect plan, a sovereign will for every moment of history. Don't tell me that the God in Isaiah who says, I will use Assyria to judge Israel and then judge Assyria for doing what I told them to do, right? For, for, for doing what I ordained them to do. Don't tell me that that God is then going to say to the church, go and preach the gospel to all the nations and fail. Right. Right. That's not, that's not the same God. We really need to come up with, uh, instead of having cold opens, we need to make like a apology, a radio type of intro. That would be cool. Take just like little sound bits like that. And, right. Oh, yeah. Don't tell oh, me. Yes. Don't tell me that that's the same God. That'd be epic. That is actually a that'd great be, idea. That'd be really and good. Honestly, I've been meaning to do that with all of these streams anyway. So that that is a great idea. Yeah. Just that add sounds it like to fun. the project list. Yeah. Um, Um, I forget what I was doing here. Oh yeah. So, um, in Isaiah, when it says, when it's prophesying about Jesus, you know, the, the great Christmas, um, passage, you know, when Isaiah, where it's like, you know, he shall be called mighty counselor, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. all that kind of yeah. stuff. It, you know, it says the government shall be on his shoulders <laughs> and his rule will know <laughs> no end. Yeah. Right. It's like, what the crap? Like, what, how do you get around that? And like, I, like we listened to, you know, a pastor, uh, like talk about that and try to get around it. You know what I mean? It's like, well, that, that clearly didn't happen yet. You know, that'll happen later. And it was just so embarrassing to hear somebody try to avoid the text. You know what I mean? To, to listen to, um, somebody see a clear passage and say, well, it can't mean that because we don't see it. Yeah. And so, and so therefore the, what could it mean? Yeah. And so the reason that we know this is a postmillennial passage is because, um, right, the actual verse, right? So it says, for us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government mm -hmm. and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne <laughs> of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth... <laughs> And forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That is post-millennialism right there. Mm -hmm. It is in context. It is consistent with the rest of scripture. That is what we see. That's what we see. Yeah. We see a God who has authority over the entire world beginning when the Messiah comes. Right. And then increasing from that point onward to the end of time. That is the clear, concise, certain picture that we have from that passage. It cannot mean yeah. anything else. I mean, I'm just I'm putting my stake in the ground and saying that. Obviously, a bunch of scholars disagree with me on this. Um, but but it's just it's just so clear. It's it's so yeah. and 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 like you read that passage and and you have to try to figure out what it means. And so you have to try to figure out well, this part of the text, this word can't really mean very clearly what it's what it's saying it has to mean something figurative or something you know you know you know uh it, it can't mean from this time forth well what is this time and you know all those types of things rather we need to look at well what does the rest of scripture say yeah what's and, the consistent and, witness we have from scripture and exactly the consistent witness totally agrees with this uh, that's that's uh, like we've talked about this before on the podcast but like 
when you know that a, a doctrine is true is when it lines up with every other part of scripture. Yeah. Um, you start seeing it everywhere and it starts encompassing yeah. every every single thing you've you've read in scripture and yes. you realize that without that piece none of this scripture yeah. made any sense yeah yeah um so that's that's really important that's really cool um I, I, from from that as well i just want to say um like i just like i look at janesville like the city of janesville yeah. and we don't have any post-millennial churches mm-hmm. right we don't have any churches that are out preaching the gospel on the street and are doing it as if they're going to win, right. Are doing it because they want to change the culture are doing it because they want to see the city of Janesville change. They want to see, you know, um, them, them believe everything that Jesus has commanded. Um, all those types of things. Like, um, even like, even like when I talk with like, um, Megan and Megan and Matt who aren't post-millennial, like they they want to do that. They want to they they have that goal in mind of like yeah we want to change James and, and they like have their that's, blessed that's why we're so here right <laughs> right yeah um and so like and and, and God bless them like yeah. no offense to them whatsoever of I respect course. their eschatology and, and, and because what I, I wanna... think that they're gonna turn no I'm just kidding mm-hmm. <laughs> and, <laughs> and what I what I I do want to specify and say like we've been really like this is the way it is like we you know this is a really important and we say this because we do believe it right and we're not gonna like try right. to pander. And, and say like, oh, this might not be right because we, we're making a claim, a stake in the ground. If you can disagree with us with scripture and we can have a conversation about it, that's great. But I also do want to say, right, like there are so many Christian people who are not post-millennial that are blessedly inconsistent and they still live out a post-millennial worldview. They still yeah. do, even if they're not post-millennial. But, but you know, we're, we're just – here on The Christian Artist, we're about – being consistent, we are about having an all-encompassing theology um, where all the pieces fit together, and there isn't a stray piece that's just like, well, we like it this way, but if we changed it, that would make everything make more sense. But we like it this way, so we're just going to keep it. We don't want that, right? We want everything to fit together because we believe in a God who is not only an artist, but a God of order, a God of systems, a God of plans. Um, God is not an abstract artist. Yeah, he, he yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> God, God is a storyteller. He he outlines he a perfect novel. He has multiple novel. drafts. They're all perfect drafts, but then he makes the, the masterpiece and does it perfectly. And yeah, yeah. Um, but I, but just kind of like come back to that point though. Yeah. Um, like in the city of Janesville, like yeah. if there was a church that preached the gospel consistently and efficiently with the motive of let's change Janesville. Like, that's what I want to see. You know what I mean? And that doesn't, that doesn't happen unless you have an eschatological viewpoint that wants to change the world because we're going to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so and on so, that point, right. So there's, there's a couple things there, right? Like I, we want to be all of us here and lots of our friends, right. We want to be a part of that sort of a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I am so encouraged by so two two uh, married couples come to mind. Um, uh, the 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 suaves the suaves. I don't know how to pronounce their last <laughs> name. Um, on on Twitter, uh, Lexi and Brian Suave uh, or Suave. I don't know how you pronounce it. Um, and then um, the Dormans. Um, yes. Lauren Dorman and who's what's her husband's name? Uh, Bradford, I think. And yeah, Bradford Dorman. Um, 
they I am so encouraged seeing their tweets because they I, they don't go to the same church, but they are like involved very heavily in two different churches in Utah that have that all encompassing post mill mindset. That means that says big families. We're all in this together. We are going to change the culture. We are going to start in these in like strategic locations. We are going to take over these towns. Like that is their mind, and they're deep in the heart of Mormon territory, right? And they're like, "This is right. what we're doing." And I, I am so like, I'm like, I'm half tempted to just move out there with them, <laughs> right? And just be like, "Let's do this." Um, and Lauren's also very consistent in the sense that she does amazing photography. So yes. Just, yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> She's a great artist. Um, and, and so, and one of the things that, um, uh, uh, what's it called? Doug Wilson has talked about in the past, um, that these two couples, like, hold up, hold up. let me, after we said Doug Wilson, I want to see how many people stop watching. Stop watching. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, one of the things I really like that Doug Wilson has said in the past and talked about is this idea of, um, having strategic Christian warfare. Um, with yeah. with the, this stuff. So the reason that the Wilson clan and their churches and stuff, right? The reason they set down, they set their roots in Moscow, Idaho, is because Doug Wilson looked and said, "All right, this is a college town. It's a small town. It has strategic importance, but it's not so big that it would be impossible to like actually conquer, right? As as like a ground a grassroots like sort of takeover." Um, you know, spiritually speaking. Um, and, and so he's like, this is where we're going to settle down because we want to change this town. Right. And that is the mindset that will change America. Right. Families that plant churches in towns that are strategic, um, and will, then slowly change the landscape of America as each of these towns is influenced by these incredibly culture changing churches that are passionate about the gospel and passionate about the gospel in every area of life and are not content to just sit in their churches and grab people and bring them into the church, but rather go out from the church into all of the world and change the world to make right. it look like the church. Um, right. And so like that is ultimately where I want to be myself and I know, you know, you and me and us three and and like Angel and Ashley and other people, right? We've talked about this for a long time. Um, and it's probably going to be a long time in coming. But ultimately, mm -hmm. I think that's where we're going to end up, right? We're going to pick a town, whether or not it's Janesville, <laughs> right? We're going to pick a town and we're all going to settle there and we're going to start a church and we're going to have a bunch of kids, right? And and we're going to change that town. And and that's the goal, right? That, that I think mm -hmm. would be the best thing we could probably do with our lives. Um, right. Not because we want to be famous, not because we want to be like, Hey guys, look, we just took over a whole town with the gospel, whatever. Because like, we're going to, we're going to die and be forgotten. And it's what our kids are going to get all the glory. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, but that we're is, not going to win on our lifetime. That, <laughs> we'll it, be long dead. Exactly. Right. But, but that's, that's what effectiveness looks like. Right. That's what faithful effectiveness looks like. Not just right. look, we have numbers because we have these like, business-like methods of like bringing people into the church we're not like we're not saying that sort of evangelical evangelicalism but rather how do we be completely faithful to scripture and god in all areas of life and be so all-encompassing in our theology and our 
view of practical Christianity and how that looks in the, in the culture and in our families and in our churches and in the government and everything that we change the world around us. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what we, that, I mean, that's what the Christian artist is ultimately all about. Um, mm-hmm. When you get down to the, the nitty gritties of it, it's let's take every sphere of life. Let's break it down. I, I mean, I think we just had another epiphany moment on on the Christian artist, right? Ultimately, this podcast is not just about honoring Christ through creativity. It's about honoring Christ. Honoring Christ through creativity is a microcosm of the bigger picture of let's break every sphere down and figure out how do we honor Christ in that sphere. Mm -hmm. The Christian artist, just one small piece of that large puzzle. But when we break down each piece, when we look at what does this piece, what does this sphere of life look like when it's brought under the dominion and authority of Christ? And that's how we start to change those spheres. That's how we start to change the culture. That's how we start to change the world. One puzzle piece at a time. One analysis of looking at how do we honor Christ in this area? And then there you go. Yeah. Bear Gun says, Caleb's spitting straight fire emoji. Um, and then Isaac was like, some convincing arguments for Postmill tonight, to, my, to be honest. Yeah, come join the dark side. Uh, <laughs> we tricked you. You mean the light side, because we're the optimistic I mean ones. the right side. Right. When we say the dark side, we mean the minority. That's what usually yeah. people mean yeah. when it says come join the yeah. dark side. It's it's come join the thing that most people hate. <laughs> come be yeah. hated like with not us. hating Doug Wilson. <laughs> like not hating Doug Wilson is one yeah. of those things. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the dark side. Not, not that we like love him and think he's the ne- like the second coming of yeah. Christ. Just we don't hate him. <laughs> right? Yeah. right. That that's angering to people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bear guns. There join the go. dark side. We have beer. Uh, I mean, yeah, for a lot of post... We actually don't. <laughs> well, we don't, personally. Well, but no, we don't. For yeah. a lot of post-mill yeah. theonomic Christians, absolutely they do. Yeah. So. yeah. Doug Wilson, definitely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, another another thing right there. Um, making good alcohol is a post-millennial thing that you yep. can do to the glory of mm-hmm. God. Have Have you and... guys ever heard about Guinness? No. The yep. um yeah um I don't remember his first <laughs> name but the guy you? the guy who made the the, oh, Gu- the Guinness beer um uh he was he was a post millennial Christian who mm-hmm. um was like you know what these workers are uh getting engaging in drunkenness you know they're they're getting they're getting to sin um they're because all of the alcohols that they're having access to are very alcoholic and so they end up over drinking. Um, I'm going to make a beer that is much less alcoholic so people can honor Christ more um, and still drink and have it be a social thing that everybody enjoys doing. And after a long day, these workers are going to come to my my bar, right, and buy this beer, and but they're not going to sin, right? They're not going to be more – they're not going to be – it's not going to be as tempting of them to – down like 60 of these right to, to it's probably probably not that many you don't need but you probably just die if you drink those that many um yeah. but you know you, you don't have to drink you know drink a whole bunch of these to get drunk um mm. and by the time you did that you'd have to pee so badly that you probably would you'd stop um right <laughs> that that was the whole idea it was literally like let's make sh- let's help people not sin better by using technology <laughs> yeah and it's because he was a post-mill christian um not necessarily like 
had all the boxes checked off, but that was the right. mindset he had, right? Yeah. So, so like, just to kind of like, like close all of this out, like, I think that's so like huge right there to say, um, like making beer can be done to the glory of God. Um, I think, I think one of the big things that kind of convinced me for this was um, the entire part of the Bible. I want to say Chronicles, I don't remember exactly when it's describing Song of Solomon, uh, Song of Solomon, it's describing King Solomon. That's funny. Describing King <laughs> Solomon, like making the temple and like how much time and how much money and how much labor and how ridiculously expensive and overly extravagant it was to make the temple of God. Um, and it's like, like this seems bad, right? Like this seems like, this seems like building the new life cross. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. like this is, this is just to draw attention to themselves as that church kind of a thing. Um, people, people like, most of the people listening to this podcast will have no idea what you meant by the new life. Cross, right. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a, there's a church in, in our city that has this giant, like, I mean, giant, like 30 foot tall cross <laughs> in their like giant field. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Mickey, Mickey. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Nothing. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about you. it later, we'll on, a later. on a different episode. It'll be a future episode. <laughs> we talk about, um, no. Um, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> sorry, I just love my train of thought. Um, like Solomon, when he's building the temple, like there was so much of that that he, um, like, he was like talking, like getting all these like insanely skilled um, artisans and mm -hmm. and uh, sculptors and all these types of things to come and and build his build like like the temple, right? And it's like, is that a bad thing? It's like, well, no, because he was doing it to the glory of God. Like he was building all these things to glorify God and make this giant temple and do that. And it's like, that wasn't a bad thing. And so for instance, you know, okay, let's, let's take, let's take um, something that I, I've been thinking about for a career, right? Electrician. Being an electrician, is that sinful? No, because I can be a good electrician and do it to the glory of God mm -hmm. because work is not evil and work yeah. in a post-millennial mindset is great. Yeah. And you can mm -hmm. say the same thing for Mickey. She wants to be a nurse. She's going to help people. She's going to be kind to people and love people by helping them. And, and maybe she works in a children's hospital and helps save lives, you know, those types of things. Even if, even if she's never like a life or death situation, she helps people have better livelihoods, helps people live longer, helps people have more comfort and, and uh, is bettering society. Like those are good God glorifying things that we can do. Yeah. Um, and Obviously, is the gospel more important? Yes. And the, the gospel, or um, these things, should naturally be an outflow of the gospel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is when you go to a place and people get saved, they care about each other more, and they do better jobs, yep. and they do more good things yep. at their jobs. And, I, I think and that's, so, that's so important, right? Because it, it, we, we get back to the purpose of why God saves people mm -hmm. and why right. he doesn't immediately yeet them into heaven. <laughs> right? Why doesn't he do that? That would make more sense in an millennial or or premillennial mindset, right? I would say if, yoink them into heaven, right? Yoinketh, yoink, yeah, right? yoinketh them into yeah, heaven. Yeah, I feel like that's true. Right. He doesn't. I he would. Like... He would yoinketh, not yeeteth. Right. Exactly. Um. 
gotta have proper because yoink uh, yoink is pull right so he's iron right. pulling them into, exactly. into heaven yeah exactly still yeah. pushing them if he was still pushing them they'd be going to you know all they'd be places. eating um right. it'd be the other place right um right <laughs> you're crossing misborn with cultural phrases with the eschatology <laughs> yeah. My yeah, brain. Yeah. but anyway so what i mean right like why why does god not just you know bring people to heaven immediately after being saved is because there's stuff to do here right? right there's there's a point to all of this and if we're christians we do it better or at mm-hmm. least in theory right and so we have to have this right mindset <laughs> christian music christian music christian christian music is not christian let me just say that i mean it's, it's probably it populated is, it is, mostly by non-christians that's probably it is. the issue right it is and and it's and it's, but it's, it's not a Christian mindset. No. It's not a Christian worldview Yeah. to it, make, to make dumb songs that are repetitive and worthless and not theologically sound, not deep, not good, not musically brilliant. But they there say are, Jesus a bunch of times. Exactly. And so Christians are like, Oh, I am so encouraged by this song about imagining what heaven will be like. It takes me, uh, makes me feel so good about my sin and the way that I'm living my life. In because total it doesn't matter because I'll be able it, to go to heaven anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of um, uh, one of my favorite quotes from Martin Luther that I'm going to co- totally botch. Um, right. Um, a, sh- a shoemaker isn't a Christian because he puts little crosses yeah. on his shoes. A shoemaker right. is a Christian because he makes good shoes. Yes. Right. Um, I actually have. I actually have the whole quote. <laughs> like in your room? Yes. I definitely just paraphrased okay. that. So. No, no, no. That's it. That's it's, it. That's uh, it. It's the Christian shoemaker does his duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It was, that wasn't the full quote. There you go. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> Impressive yeah. timing and even even like pulling that out. Nice. Nice. Um, that right, but yeah, a couple more minutes that's, to find. That's the point of all of this. It's we save people. Not no, We don't save people, but we, we are the means by which God saves people so that those people can also do good works. What are good right. works? Anything that honors God. How do you honor God? By doing everything to the glory of God. Not just not sinning, not just, okay, you don't steal from people, but by making right. good shoes. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, go and make shoes to the glory of God. <laughs> That's, that could be, that could be our uh, end line every, every time now. Go make good shoes. But we definitely should have a conversation about what we should make the intro be like. Yes. Because yeah. that is a great idea. I love that. We, I mean, maybe maybe by the time we get to the 200th episode, we'll, we'll do a season change, right? And like updates mm, and things. Yes. Yeah. Do, do some updates. And maybe, so like maybe, two or three years or... maybe we'll change change the song. And maybe, that would be strange. Yeah. <laughs> it would be strange, but, but but it would be it would be a a salute, you know. Yes. It's yeah. like mm-hmm. two hundred episodes. You exactly. did as well. Yeah, because Moving we've on. just got to keep progressing because we're posting. Exactly, got to improve. Exactly. Things. Yeah, we can't just exactly. stick to the old song just because it's tradition and it's whatever. Exactly. Knows. And also, <laughs> exactly. honestly, I want to write a song for the Christian artist. I think that would be really <laughs> yeah. fun. See, look at that. Good. Good eschatology. <laughs> Carly, do you have any other we're, we're uh, practicing thoughts, it right now. comments for us? Um, well, 
Well, I just want to read what Quantum Isaac just, just wrote on there too. I, I wrote code for the glory of God. I write code for the glory of God. He's given me an excellent opportunity to be a developer on a project that can have many very wonderful uh, applications in the world of biochemistry and the medical sciences. Yeah, buddy. Boom. There you go. Amen. God mm-hmm. is good. God is being glorified. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of just wanted to regurgitate the, uh, the send-off of cross-politic except for the mm-hmm. last part of it. So I'll say, um, if you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And right. if you have kids, raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord and don't baptize them until they confess Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The baptized. That's right. The, or the, uh, the Baptist version. Perfect. You're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Cool. Good stuff. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> uh, uh, anything else? Is that it? I mean, that's a good place yeah, to I think end. that's it. Yeah. All right. You can find us on Twitter at Christ underscore art underscore show, where we will now apparently be posting <laughs> sick memes. Right. That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Caleb, what- you just need to post a bunch of the memes that you already post to your account on there, too. I could, but we need a brand, right? We no, need we a, need a brand. Exactly. We need, we need a brand like of, a, gift, of gift theology. I, I really like the gift theology yeah. thing. We should yeah. do that on there. I think the gift theology fun. was so much fun. It was. It was a lot of fun. Um, Yeah, we should have, I mean, what we should do, Connor, is we should have like a, a time or something, like a time of, of day or something. Maybe just on Monday, we like but leading up to the Christian artist episode, um, we throughout the day have some scheduled tweets for like gift theology. <laughs> Based on the topic, okay, this is a thing we should be doing though too. We need, we need to be to planning. The topic ahead of time. We need yes. to be planning this out <laughs> in advance more because the last several episodes we've just been like literally last minute. What are we talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you mean the last uh, the last hundred and fifty episodes is more like it? Are <laughs> well, you kidding there, me? There have been stretches where we planned this out. There have been out. some weeks that have been yeah. planned out. All right, all right, I'll give that to you. Just this once. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so. Uh, on Twitter at Christ underscore art underscore show. You can also find all of us on Twitter. If you're also interested in anything that we're doing at Caleb and power, I don't post anything there at repent one seven, seven. You should just go tweet at, at Carly him. underscore pinch. Yeah. Um, I just don't tweet very often. Sometimes I'll, I'll when he tweet does, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. I, when, I, when I do tweet, it's because I follow certain pastors on Twitter right. and I like get a notification for one of them on my phone and be like, Huh, I wonder what Angel Rodriguez liked about Pastor Gabe Hughes' tweet. And then I'll be like, ooh, that was good. Retweet. And then take a picture of it and put it to my other social media, which I find more important to me. Yeah, yeah you're a Facebook guy. I'm a, I'm a Twitter guy. I'm a Facebook guy. guy. Yeah. I'm also friends with like so many people that I don't know. And sometimes it's really weird why they, yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's really weird why they friend request me. Yep. It's like, oh, you're a pro-life Catholic and you wanted to be friends with me because right. I'm a Calvinist post-millennial abolitionist <laughs> uh i don't think you know what you're doing here pal yeah. you can also find us on facebook at facebook.com slash christian artist show or at our website at christian artist show.com i'm also going to be looking for ways to assimilate that website though into calebandpowers.com which is also needed it needs to i need to get that website back up there's a lot of projects that need to be undergone uh, but they will be they will be. It's the year for breakthrough. Uh, just, to, just to clarify real quick, in case anybody just heard me 
differentiate my differentiate myself for being pro-life i am a hundred percent against the murder of unborn babies just to clarify mm-hmm. just the More <laughs> pro-lifers you could say yes watch the watch the film babies are murdered here yeah yep uh but yeah so there should be a lots of fun stuff coming up on this channel um with with the christian artist with the other stuff we do we do um Terranolius is happening as usual, I believe, this this Thursday um, at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And I believe, maybe, question mark, <laughs> we're going to have an episode of Anno Domini this Friday, question mark. Connor, are you free? No. No, so. Connor, why? Wait, no, 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 no. I, no, I think I am free, but David's not. Oh, did he say that? David's not. Yeah, he said that Ruth is going to be at a wedding, so he's going to be stuck with Gwen. Oh, right. Oh, did he? he okay, right. I shouldn't say stuck with Gwen. He has to look after Gwen because nobody else yeah. can. Yeah. He gets to look after Gwen. Uh, well, she, yes, he says, I go. think she has to leave on Friday. That doesn't necessarily mean that it will happen. But also, we also said that we could do the next episode um, without David because we could have right. Erastus. So, so if we have everyone else. We have everyone else, so we'll try to plan on it. Try to plan on it. Um, I corrected myself, Mickey. I corrected myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, but we should have that on on Friday, seven p.m. Central Central Standard Time uh, as well. I I don't know about you guys, but this episode made me really really excited just for life in general. Same. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and like cool stuff that we can do in the future and yep. cool projects that I want to do. Um. Yeah, because that's what postmillennialism does. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Seriously, every single time I talk about postmillennialism <laughs> or read about postmillennialism, I just get so excited to do stuff. Yeah, it's great. Yep. Well, I think that's it. I think that is all we have here for the Christian artist. I've already done the outro, so I guess have a great week. <laughs> See ya. I love how we I love how we do the outro so many times and they just don't end when we do the outro. So people like people might like stop listening to us or like or like they'll pause the episode because they'll be like, oh, it's over. And then look at how much there's like 30 minutes left well, of the episode. And they're like, what's what, well, so what else is happening? No, so that's the thing. That's why I end the episode with the music, with the outro music. That's when you know uh, the episode okay. is over. Um, right. But it's also true that at the end of the outro music, sometimes I'll have outtakes. Right. Um, so that's maybe not even true anyway. Uh, okay. Well, that's that. We're done. That's it. Bye. <laughs> Have a great week. <laughs>